0: Hi, it's Molly. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the XL Books Podcast. I believe you're in for a treat. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to the XL Books Podcast I just want you to know that I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. I count it an absolute privilege to speak to you, and I hope you're going to enjoy what I have to cover today. So I want to talk to you about something that I feel like we only hear about in articles. We don't really hear people talking about it. What am I talking about? I want to talk to you about how to be an excellent employee. And I know what you're thinking, Why does that matter? You know a lot of times people have these angst against being an excellent employee because you know they have issues with managers or they have issues with companies, and they're thinking, "Why should I be excellent when they're not excellent?" Um I get it. I've been there, done that. I've had great managers, I've had not great managers. I've had companies that have it all together. I've had companies that have nothing together. So I can understand where you may say, I don't know if I really want to be excellent. But being excellent, especially as a believer, has nothing to do with the company you work for. It has nothing to do with who you report to in the company. As believers, being excellent is all about serving God. Because everything we do has to give glory to him. And we remind ourselves that we work as unto him and not as unto man. So when you think about being excellent, you know, and I know it's going to be hard, but try to erase the mentality of what the other people are doing. It's very easy to get caught up in that trap. And then we end up being just like everybody else. And, you know, I personally believe that, you know, as Christians, we, our light should shine. And one of the ways it shines is by us doing the things that other people are unwilling to do or uncomfortable doing uh, for the sake of an example, right? And as Christians, you know, we are influencers and we may not want to be an influencer, but if you really think about it in the broad scope. Christians influence people either positively or negatively. You know, how you speak to them will either make them hate or love Christianity. Um, The morals that you, um, you know, kind of imprint on other people can make them either want to go closer to God or make them go away from God. We're constantly influencing people even without asking for it. And so with such a powerful uh, ability to impact others, we should really explore every aspect of our lives and see how can we be more excellent. And as an employee, that's a perfect way to show people all about God. And I'm going to start off by telling you what I do to try to be an excellent employee. And I do this by these four C's. And I'm going to kind of spell these out for you, and then I'll break it down as we go along. So the four C's to be an excellent employee is number one, communication. Number two, consideration. Three, conviction. And four, creativity. And then you're like, Molly, what the heck? I got you. I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to start With an example, because, you know, I always have a story for you guys. I want to tell you about how being an excellent employee made a difference when I thought that no one else cared. So I had a job at a Fortune 500 years ago, really great company, worked with some really, really great people. Uh, At the time, my manager was fantastic and I just loved what my manager did. But my manager had a lot of pressure. Uh, coming at them, they had, you know, you know, leaders above them saying, "Oh, I need you to do this. I need this now. I need this yesterday," and of course, all that pressure, you know, funnels down to them and then funnels down to the employee. And very often, I was given a wide range of tasks, things with deadlines that truthfully were impossible for a lot of them. I was like, "How? How do we meet those deadlines? How is that possible to do that?" And she taught me a lot of things. And one of the things that she taught me, because I got burnt out, right? I was, I had, I think, 10 different tasks on my plate. Eight of them due in like 24 to 48 hours. I had been working late nights uh, until 6, 630 in the evening, sometimes seven, having to drive the 30 minutes home uh, through highways. I was exhausted, burnt out sometimes missing lunch, sometimes missing breakfast. I was like, I just, I can't. And I was in a one-on-one with my manager at the time. And what I love is that my manager at the time had emotional intelligence and they could tell from my body language and how I was responding that I was close to burnout. I didn't have to say it. She could see it. She could sense it. And I remember in the middle of the one-on-one, she stopped me and she said, hey, there's something you're not communicating to me. I need you to communicate it. Something's bothering you. Something's keeping you from being the normal, energetic, top-notch Molly that I'm used to. What is it? And it wasn't until she said that, that I realized I haven't communicated that I'm feeling burnout. I'm just getting exhausted and because I'm exhausted and I'm frustrated instead of saying something, I just push harder and keep trying to meet the goal until i literally have nothing else to pour out. And I was almost at the edge, but I hadn't given my manager a chance to do anything about it. That's when I learned the first lesson of communication, the first C. Communication is literally your ticket to success. Remember we talked about a couple episodes back about the silent trap, about when to speak up, when not to speak up, you know, the importance of speaking up and so on and so forth. Communication is the very heartbeat of that. If you're not telling your boss, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to meet this deadline with the current parameters in place, or, hey, I really need more help with this. You know, you have to say something. But let me caveat this. This is something I learned years ago, but a lot of employees forget to do this part. It's very easy to communicate when you're burnt out, right? It's very easy to say, hey, this is too much. You're putting too much on me. You know, do this, do this, you know, just take some of this off my plate. But what would make you an excellent employee and not an average one is bringing a solution with that problem. Very few employees do this. Most people will go to their manager and complain and say, You're not doing this. You didn't do that. I can't handle this. This is wrong. And they just complain. But bring no solutions. And the manager is kind of sitting there with their hands tied behind their back, like, okay, I hear you. I know it's a problem. What can we do about it? And most employees just get frustrated and they're like, I, I shouldn't have to figure that out. That's your job. Uh uh uh. An excellent employee brings a solution. Now, this doesn't mean your solution's gonna be implemented. <laughs> I'm putting that out there. For the people that are like, I've been given ideas my whole life. Yeah, but you got to balance that, right? Remember my episode, Balances Everything? You know, just because you suggest it doesn't mean they're going to run with it. But you want to bring the solution because what it does is it changes their perception of you as an employee. Because they no longer look at what you're bringing up as a complaint. They start to put weight to what you're saying. They start taking it more seriously because they know you're not just bringing up something for the sake of bringing it up. You're not just bringing it up and trying to blame game and saying, here, you do this. You're actually saying, this is a problem. We could solve it by doing option A, B, or C. Can we do any of those to fix this? And sometimes this is harder than, you know, harder, you know, easier said than done Right. Because not every problem has a clear cut solution. But I want to challenge you, because if you're really thinking about a solution before you bring it up, you'll notice that it actually reduces your anxiety because you're actively doing something about the problem. And you're actually putting your manager in a position to fix it for you, because the whole reason we bring it up to our leaders is because they have the authority to do something about it. So think about that the next time you have a concern. Um, Let's go into consideration. Now, I know you're thinking, Molly, aren't I considerate already? I just gave them a problem and a solution. Isn't that considerate? It is. But there's another aspect of consideration you should think about. And this is probably going to rub you the wrong way, but know that I love you and I'm only telling you the truth because I care about your success. I want to talk to you about consideration in the area of PTO. And I know what you're saying. Oh my gosh, I work all the time. I'm entitled to take three days off, a week off. You know, it shouldn't matter. They just need to deal. I'm buying my plane tickets today. I get it. We're overworked. You deserve time off. Everyone needs to recharge. Of course, it's important. However, an excellent employee does something that average employees don't. An average employee will just say, hey, I'm taking next week off. Deuces. And they're like, I have the PTO on my my account. I've recruited it. Um, You can't say no because I've earned it. There's no rule that says I can't just request that time. So I'm just going. I don't care what else happens. Deal with it. That's what an average employee does. An excellent employee thinks about the timing. Not saying they don't request PTO, but they think about strategically when they're taking the PTO. For example, if you know that every Monday, is the heaviest workday for your team. You know your manager is going to be running around like crazy. You know that they're going to be worn out thinking, okay, what do I do with this? You know, they're going to be tugging on you left and right. You have the majority of your meetings on Mondays. That is not the best day of the week for you to take PTO. I would not take that on that day. Aim for a Tuesday. Aim for a day after that. And I get it. I know you're thinking, but Molly, it's like this every day. It is, but some days are better than others. And you and I both know it's true. It may not be perfect, but you know, there's certain days where you're like, okay, I have a five minute breather on this day. There's normally not this much volume on this day. This would be easier for my manager to handle with me gone. I'll request this day. On the same realm of consideration, I want you to think about major events that happen within your company. And this is something a lot of employees don't do. If you know your business has an annual event, every year in February, they have this large, um, I don't know, large hiring event, or they have this huge program that usually requires everybody in the company to be all hands on deck. And, you know, this is like a two, three week thing. It's the heaviest time of the year. It's pretty much what drives your company's income. That is not the time to take PTO. Schedule it for March. Schedule it for January. Schedule around that time, ahead of that time. You want to anticipate your employer's needs. Now, let me caveat this. Anticipation does not mean you ignore every time you need to go. Sometimes there's emergencies. I get that. But your emergency emergency should not be every single week because excellent employees don't do that. Your PTO should not be Fridays all the time because then it looks like you just want to have a three-day weekend all the time. And that paints a bad impression on you. And they remember things like this. I can't tell you. How many times this has happened to me where I was in a position to lay people off from the company and they, one of the first things they brought up was, you know, this person takes a lot of PTO and they always take it on Fridays and it's always during the worst times of the year. It's like, they just don't care. And they're the first people they cut. I have actually had these conversations with leaders in a hiring, uh, hiring position So think about those things. And if you don't know what is the heaviest time, so for those of you that are listening and you're like, hey, I'm new to this company. I don't know when they have big events. I don't know what's going on. That is an excellent thing to bring up in your one-on-one with your manager. Say, hey, I'm new. I know I'm still getting my feet wet. I want to know what are the busiest times of year for the company. Because I don't want to request PTO at a time that's going to put us in a really tough position to meet deadlines. I'm telling you, bringing that up automatically makes your your manager look like, oh my gosh, I want to keep them. What can I do? Let me just dive a little bit more in this PTO. And i you're like, Molly, you're already getting on my nerves. It's okay. You're going to do great because you're probably going to get promoted after doing these things. Um you also want to think about the time of day. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take PTO for an appointment, right? We all end up with, you know, things we have to do. You know, you have doctor appointment, you know, they give you very little leeway. They're like, yep, we're only open eight to five. No problem. But think about the time of day that you schedule your appointment. You can have weekday appointments. But try to do it at a time that's not going to require you gone for the majority of the day if you can avoid it. For example, anytime I have an appointment that cannot be done on the weekends and cannot be done after hours, I always aim for either the first thing in the morning or as late in the afternoon as I can possibly get it. If I can do a 4 o'clock, 4.30, perfect. That means my boss only has to be without me for about an hour, uh, maybe half an hour of the day because I can leave at four, get my appointment at 430 and not have to worry about anything. If they don't have late appointments, I aim for like eight o'clock, maybe 839 tops. So I could say, hey, I am here. I can work for about an hour before I, I go to my appointment and then I'll come right back afterwards. That way, my manager doesn't have to deal with how am I going to survive half a day without my top performer. They don't have to worry about that because I'm making it super easy. I'm saying, you know what? I'm only going to take one to two hours here. Now, you don't have to scramble because I'm going to cover my end. I want you to know that I care about our deliverables. Be considerate. Um. Yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say on consideration. All right, so the third C is conviction. What do I mean by that? In our family, and I actually learned this from my father in law, uh, we had some of the best conversations. And one of the things that he taught me years ago was he said, always be a person of integrity. No matter what you're doing, if it's money, if it's business, if it's cooking, if it's being a parent, whatever it is, be a person of integrity, even when it hurts. And at first when I heard that, I'm like, well, duh, (laughs) you know, that's a no-brainer. Who doesn't know how to have integrity? But I'm telling you, there are so many average employees that don't have integrity at work. How do you demonstrate integrity at work? Integrity is you're given a task And you could do the bare minimum, which is just doing A, B, and C. But because you're a person of integrity, you do A, B, C, D, E, and F. You don't have to do those extra three things. But you know those extra three things will make it easier for your boss. It'll make things smoother for the company. You know that it will eliminate problems down the road. That conviction that you have of having an excellent spirit actually helps you in your career. Some one of the ways you can show integrity if you're thinking, I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't know what my tasks are sometimes till I get into work. I get that. I'm gonna let you in on a secret of something that I do that has really opened doors for me over the past 20 plus years working. And that is contingency planning. Because I have inner conviction about making sure that my boss is never without. My goal is for my boss to never wake up and say, what am I going to do? My top performer's out. I don't know how to do what they did. I'm lost. I never want my boss to have to worry about that. So I plan for contingency. What is contingency? Contingency is if something happens where you can't do your job, then do this. And for that, I'm going to give you an example. So at the same company that I mentioned before, um, that I worked at years ago, I was working on contingency planning. For me, contingency meant making a process manual about how I do my job. It was lengthy. It took a lot of work. It took months. Some things I constantly had to update because my role and my responsibilities changed a lot, but I constantly updated that at least once a week. Even if it was only an hour, I dedicated it to making this process manual. No one asked me to do it. No one required me to do it. But I did it because I said, what if something happens where I can't do my job or even better, what if I win the lottery and I want to go to Jamaica for a week? Who's going to do the work while I'm gone? So I made these process manuals to show how to do my job so that if I wasn't there, my boss could step in and do it. And a lot of people picked at me at the time. They're like, oh, that's silly. You're, you're writing away your job because if they know how to do what you do, then, you know, they don't need you. That is not true. It's actually quite the opposite. By demonstrating exactly how much it takes to do your job, you are actually showing how valuable you are. And by planning ahead for contingency, they're like, oh, you actually care about the business. You're not just thinking about you. You're thinking about the future. And on top of that, now there's room for you to move up because if I want to put you in a different position, I don't have to worry about how to train this person because I can say, here's their contingency plan. This will teach you everything you need to know about how to do the job. You can reach out to them here or there if you have questions, but for the most part, it's already handled. Well, I had built this contingency plan for months, and then one day the worst thing that could ever happen happened to me. I was driving in the car with my kids, on the way to church, having a great day. We had stopped at the gas station, We had hot dogs. We were just singing, praising God. We're just, I think I was listening to Blanca at the time. And I'm like, yeah, we're just, you know, praising, you know, God said, I'm not backing down, you know. And as I got ready to turn, a car hit me head on, totaled my SUV and completely shattered my kneecap. I mean, to the point where I could not walk. And this was on a weekday a day like any other, and just like that, I couldn't get to work. I couldn't drive to work. I couldn't walk up the stairs. I couldn't walk to the elevator. Even if you rolled me around, I was in excruciating pain, and it took weeks to recover. What allowed me to have job security, what allowed me to rest without problems, was the fact that I had conviction and had made a contingency plan way ahead of time, so when I called my boss and forwarded the ER medical note and the police report showing that I had gotten hit by a car, my boss did not have to worry at all. Their first response to me was, you take care of you, rest, don't worry about it, we will cover everything while you're out, you made it easy for us, we're gonna follow exactly what you wrote in there, And, you know, if we have really bad questions, you know, we may email you, but I'm going to try not to bother you. Don't even worry about it. We're going to put you on, you know, uh, leave of absence. You're good to go. And I didn't have to worry about, was my job secure? I didn't have to worry about, was the finance report going to mess up? Was the the other executive reports going to be wrong? I didn't have to worry about that because I already had enough conviction to think about my job and the company before anything happened. Now, of course, we don't want anything like that to happen, right? We we all wanna believe that we're gonna be healthy, whole, nothing bad ever happens, we're just great. But none of us can predict the future. None of us know what's gonna happen tomorrow. You don't know what's gonna happen you know, tonight when you put your head on the pillow. So planning for the future really makes you excellent. As a result, and I'm just, I want to give you some encouragement. When I returned back to that job after healing, because the plan, the contingency plan I had was so well taken care of, they said, we're going to promote you. I'm like, what? How am I going to I wasn't even here. They said, yeah, we've seen your work and we've seen what you've done here. And they were able to catch on and do what you did in the two months you were out We're putting you in a whole different department, just you and this other person. You're promoted. Now you're at a higher level. Have fun. All because I had conviction. So think about that with your job. No matter how small it is, no matter how... You may think that what you do isn't important. You may think that what you do doesn't require that, right? And I know what you're thinking. If you're listening and you're like, all I do is clean the bathrooms, That does not mean that you can't make some kind of a contingency plan. Maybe you make your own checklist. You know, maybe you put things like, okay, well, what if I'm out of the supplies? Who do I go to? How much of the solution do we use on the floor? Is it a quarter cup? Is it a whole cup? You know, uh, is there a specific brand? Is there a specific time of day that the company prefers that I mop the floors? You can take your job to the next level. It's all about how you see yourself. Don't limit yourself to what they think of you. Take yourself to the level of what God sees about you. It's all about your altitude, where you're looking at. If you look at yourself as small, then the company will look at you as small. But if you treat yourself like you are the cream of the crop and they need to know your job, they will consider and treat you that way and your gift will make room for you. All right, the last C. We're going to talk about creativity. Ooh, this is my favorite part. This is why people just love me at companies, and I love them. Creativity should be the heartbeat of any position that you have. And how can you be creative? What do I mean by creative? When you do your job, you first you want to master it, especially if you're new. You want to figure out what it is they're asking you to do. And then take really good notes and master that thing. Be the best that you can possibly be. But once you've mastered it, don't rest on, I've mastered it, there's nothing else that I can do. Constantly be creative. Challenge yourself. And I know what you're going to think when I say this, but it's okay. You might want to create work for yourself, And I know you're like, Molly, that's insane. I'm already working like crazy. I don't want to do any more work. I need more time off. I get it. But remember, I'm talking about this after you've mastered a part of your craft. So if you've mastered, say you're a person who does finance reports, you assemble all the data, you put it in a beautiful Excel spreadsheet, and you email it to your boss once a month you've got it down to a science, you know, where to look for loopholes, you know, uh, all of those things. Every time you send that report, you should be thinking outside the box. How can I be more creative with this report this time around? Did I provide a graph? What does this graph show? Does this graph still matter today? Does the layout help? When's the last time I asked my leaders if they find the report useful? When's the last time I asked them what they really want to know? Maybe they want the attachment, but maybe they want your email to have three specific bullet points in it. Be creative. Maybe you can spice up the way the email looks. Maybe you can look into a different software program. Something I love to do um, at the same company I was telling you about, I became best friends with IT. If you don't know your IT department, you need to know your IT department. You need to love your IT department. You need to support your IT, love IT. IT's your friend. Uh, I used to reach out to IT all the time and not just because when I had a problem, I reached out with curiosity. I say, hey, do we have any software programs that do this? They're like, you know, we do have something in one of our 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 other offices that they use, but no one here uses it. And I said, do we have access here? Does it cost anything? I said, no, it doesn't cost anything. You actually already have access. Oh, can I use it today? Yeah. And I found out about software programs we had. I found out about things that our corporate offices use night and day? And I asked those questions. What system does our corporate office use that we don't? They said, oh, well, they heavily use uh, SharePoint. Really? We don't use that over here. Yeah, no one over here knows how to use it. Okay, great. And I immediately took it upon myself. Learn SharePoint. Model what they do. Make a version of that in my department so they could see that i'm already flowing with them i'm not creating new programs i'm literally using what they have and i'm expanding its reach that's a way of being creative without costing the company a dime another way you can be creative is to actually meet with your leaders and ask them things outside the box this is something i did at my previous company that they loved i would have random meetings like once a month, not all the time. I would pick a leader, a leader that I know I normally send a report to. Maybe it's someone that I just CC, you know, you know, those people that you copy and they really don't need to look at it, but they're on it just because your boss said so. And you don't know if they even care about the report. I would meet with my leaders once in a while, just randomly say, Hey, can I have, can I have 15 minutes of your time? I just put an invite on the calendar. And they say, hey, what's, what's going on? What do you want to know? I said, I just would like to know if you could pick one thing that you really want out of this report, what would it be? How can I make this better for you? What's one thing that I can improve on this report? And by doing that, number one, you gain visibility. By being creative of what you've got, you gain visibility into leaders and they're like, oh, I know you exist now oh, you actually care. You're not just CCing me because it's your job. You're actually thinking about what you're bringing to the table. And I would gather those notes from all those leaders. Okay, this VP says they really need that. That manager says they really need this. Hmm, I don't have any of that in my report. And so the next time I had a one-on-one with my manager, I always had something to bring to the table. And I was able to say, hey, you know, when I met with this person, this person, they said they really want to see this. And the current report doesn't have that. How do you think we can bring this out? And my manager loved it because they didn't have to do the legwork to make my job matter. They didn't have to sell it because I was selling myself. And by being creative in just those little ways, you can take yourself to a level that you, you would never dream of. I've had the honor of being promoted and put in rooms with leaders, making huge decisions that, you know, quite frankly, was above my pay grade, um, all because I was creative with everything they gave me. If they said, hey, you're going to do a speech about customer engagement, I prepared a presentation, a video, handouts. And all I had to do was speak for two minutes. I said, yeah, but what if they ask questions later? Ask yourself questions. That's how you can be creative. Think outside the box. Don't just look at it and say, this is my job. Think What else can I do with it? How can I add value? And by doing that, you're going to keep the door of opportunity open for yourself without closing the opportunity for your paycheck. All right. I hope you got something out of that. I hope that you know, by implementing one or some of these things, you know, your personal career can go to the next level. Um, For those of you that were listening that may have been unemployed, right? Because I know everybody doesn't have a job. I want you to be encouraged. There is a job for you. Believe God, not just for the job, but believe God for the right job. A lot of times we just say, God, I need a job okay, God, but I need the job you have for me. When you're specific, it opens more doors. If you just say, I want a job, then a job will show up. It could be a job you hate. It could be a job that has nothing to do with you. And that makes it really hard for you to be excellent if it's not in your lane. But if you say, God, bring me the job you have for me. And then while you're waiting for the job, prepare for the job. Ooh, I was trying to get out of this, but I'm going to, I'm going to go there. I'm trying to get off this message. Prepare for your job before you get it. Don't wait until you get to the company and then put all the pressure on them of what do you want me to do? Okay. Have you thought about training yourself ahead of time? Have you thought about Googling an article or watching some YouTube videos to learn how can I be really great using spreadsheets? You know, the job's going to require it. You know if your skills are average or not. If it's average, go study and become sharper. Research a company you might want to work for. And if you know their bread and butter is HTML, you need to be studying HTML like it is the last thing on earth. Don't wait to be excellent. Pave your own path for excellence. Open your own door. And by the time you get there, They're just going to open, you know, welcome you with open arms and say, what can we give you? What do you need from us? I get that offered to me all the time from employers, not because I'm some perfect hotshot because I'm not. I make mistakes too. But because I don't put all the pressure on them to make me excellent, I don't wait for a company to pay for a class for me to get better. I go ahead and go for it before they ask me about it. So that when I get there, I'm already solid gold. If you start preparing yourself for something before you get it, you'd be amazed at the results. And even if you're unemployed, because I know some of you are listening and you're like, I don't have a job. You can find a way. And you're like, well, I don't have any money. Yes, you Yes, you do. You've got libraries. It's free. I don't have internet. Okay, take your old phone that this phone service got cut off. Put it on Wi-Fi mode. Go to McDonald's or you know, wherever you need to go, Starbucks, and Google some stuff. Use the Wi-Fi there and Google some things. There's no reason why you can't. The only limitation you have is the one you set on yourself in your mind. Being the best as an employee is not about the handouts other people give to you. It's not about the money the company has to offer. And I'll say that too. Do not limit your excellence based on how much money they're paying you. You know, there's a saying about you dress for the job you want, not the one you have. If you approach a job based on the salary they're giving you today and say, oh, they're not paying me that much, I'm not going through all that, then you're never going to reach excellence. Excellence is not limited by a dollar amount. People of excellence are always excellent. They're excellent when they're broke. They're excellent when they're making millions of dollars. They're excellent when no one's watching. They're excellent when they think nobody cares. That's how you become excellent. You don't limit it to, oh, well, they're only paying me like $8 an hour, but they didn't have to pay you anything. And I know that you may be worth more than that. And I've been there. I've been at the jobs where you're like, okay, really, I'm getting paid minimum wage and I'm used to getting paid, you know, three, four times that much an hour. Yeah, but still be excellent. You're like, but it doesn't matter. They they couldn't afford me if they tried. You don't know that. Sometimes a company will rise up because of your excellence. Sometimes the reason a company has not reached the apex where they need to be Is because they don't have the right people in the company that are willing to help them build it up. But because you're so fixated on the current paycheck, you can't see where God may be taking it. What if God put you in that company for such a time as this to help them get out of this hole? I know that's not the case for everybody, but I want you to really consider that. Where you're looking at is, oh my gosh, there's a problem here, problem here, problem there. I don't see how they're ever going to be able to help me get out of this. You know, financially, you may have been brought there just to help them with that problem. So the next time you get frustrated, ask God, how can I be excellent? All right. So I hope that is everything. I think that's everything I'm supposed to share today. (laughs) I hope you got a lot out of it. Thank you so much again for tuning in. And I want to hear from you if you've had challenges being excellent or you're like, how can I be excellent with this? I need some more advice or something. Hit me up at xelbooks at gmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook or Instagram at xelbooks. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, be blessed, be prosperous, and take care. Thank you for listening to the Excel Books Podcast with Molly. You can find more helpful resources and services at xelbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send us a message at xelbooks.com or email xelbooks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again next time for more tips on work, family, and life.